deification of technology was just the first item on Ronnie James Dio's shit list during the recording process for Dehumanizer. He also had words for those trying to rediscover their youth on the song Time Machine. What at first sounds like an invitation to recapture one's heyday as Dio cries, what are you gonna do when there's a part of you that needs to chase the wind and the fire of burning yesterdays can only light the way is quickly slammed shut behind you like the door to a honky-tonk piano bar peopled by malicious trolls in western wear shrieking, do you like rock and roll? How about now? How about now? How about now? Yeah, it's still going on. We're all still in this fucking bar and you will never leave here. Which Dio subsequently makes very clear with this. If you listen to fools, then now it's like the chains are on. Today is never gone, tomorrow never comes. A statement in almost perfect inverse proportion to Hamlet's in Act 5, Scene 2. If it be not now, yet it will come. The one thing that you don't fuck with in Shakespeare is the passage of time. Tomorrow will come, and you defy this universal truth at your own peril. Dio seems to be articulating a similar point of view here. Listen to this. Looking at the world through your innocent eyes, you see the promises? No, they're only lies and broken dreams. Your silent screams. You're living in a time machine. I think the song can easily be misinterpreted as a get back JoJo statement. Sans McCartney's weird cartoon frog voice. Were the other Beatles just like instantly okay with that? Hey, John. Do you like Paul's new voice? No, Ringo, I love it. I think he should try to sound like a sock puppet more often. What about you, George? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Good point. But with further investigation, I think the song is revealed as more like a reality check. The time machine doesn't allow you to recapture your youth. What it does is the opposite dashing your hopes of a personal renaissance by exposing the misconception of yourself that the temptation of somehow returning to your better days leads to. Or as Dio puts it in the song's chorus, the time machine only allows you to, quote, choose just who you are. Not back then, but now, today, in this moment. Because that false idea that you've been secretly harboring about how cool and confident and alive you used to be is horseshit. The time machine can only show you that the person you think you were is actually someone that you've never been. Which is a line from the song.
Machine is not the only track off of Dehumanizer to emphasize the importance of being present to our current moment in time, or as assholes call it, living in the now. I feel like I've wasted so much time in my life. I need to start living in the now. So me and my pot-bellied pig James K. Pork are going to get dangerously baked and binge all seven seasons of Nurse Jackie this weekend. No more dilly-dallying, James K. Carpet Dayum. Too Late is not my favorite track on the record. A bit ponderous and repetitive, but the subject of the song also falls under the theme of time, which is replete on this album. While Computer God and After All are primarily concerned with the future, Time Machine and Too Late are tales told from the perspective of people obsessing on the past. Both tracks are about individuals longing for days of yore. The first longs for a return to a time when they were awesome, and will soon discover that they weren't. And the second looks to a time gone by with nothing but regret. The third installment of our Guy Crying Over His High School Yearbook series is Sins of the Father, which acts as a kind of bridge to the future, and the other theme that I think runs through the album, religion. But we'll get to that in the future, church. It's always there. It's always been there. Sins of the Father implores a listener who has been deeply damaged by an unnamed figure of authority in their past to let go of their guilt telling them, you are the innocent, convicted of the crime, but then offers the solution, it's time to open up all the doors that you keep locked. A succinct summation follows on the next verse. You've been twisted into pieces by the hands of your emotion. How much longer are you going to pay for yesterday, sins of the father? It should be noted here that Dio grew up Catholic, and his use of the terms sin and father make for a very clear interpretation for anyone else who is Catholic or has read a newspaper at any point in the last hundred years. If Time Machine and Too Late warn us of the inherent dangers of living in the past, Sins of the Father makes those dangers explicit. One who looks forever to the past may be doomed never to escape it. So turn instead to the horrors of our dystopian future and your servile existence beneath the mechanized fist of an authoritarian god machine. Least you won't feel guilty anymore. You won't feel anything, actually. It'll be great. And now that we're looking forward instead of back, let's look all the way forward, straight to the end, on After All. Ronnie James Dio was always very explicit about his disdain for organized religion, but like all unbelievers, his freedom from faith didn't release him from the anxiety of imagining what dreams may come once we have shuffled off our mortal coils. Speaking as a fellow heathen, I can tell you that having no positive belief about the afterlife does not exempt a person from a desire to solve the mystery of what awaits us at the end of our days. In fact, it does nothing but raise more questions. I envy people who believe they have an answer. I wish I had one. I'd probably get a lot more done. And the many various questions that arise from a secular existence are at the very heart of the second track on Dehumanizer, after all, in parentheses, the dead. On the third verse, Dio lays out some of those questions in typical dramatic fashion. What sounds initially like the abstract of a study he's submitting to the journal Nature ends with a refusal to deny the seemingly supernatural phenomena that he has experienced through his own senses. There's insufficient evidence of what just might come after. Well, excuse me, Professor Highbrow. Sorry. It continues. 
but sometimes out of nowhere, there's demented sounds of laughter. Are we all haunted by the ghost imagination? It just can't be I've seen them there howling at the moon. If you are a person of any non-dogmatic spiritual belief, or just someone who is open to the mystery of an unfolding universe, or maybe even an atheist who thinks they've seen a ghost. If so, after all will likely ring true for you. It certainly does for me. And before any of my religious friends get too high on their own sense of existential clarity, not that they're known for that kind of thing, Dio makes it clear that organized religious thinking does not actually answer the questions after all poses. Not for him, anyway. What it does instead is exploit the very natural, very human fears and doubts surrounding the possibilities of eternity by turning them against the individual as a highly elaborate and heavily ritualized form of coercive control. But I'll let Dio explain that for himself. What do you say to the In case you missed any of that, the lyrics read as follows. What do you say to the dead? Is there a place where it's burning? It says in a book I once read, which I can only assume is Fahrenheit 451, yes, there's a chance of returning. And he ends the verse with the kicker. Turn to me. Why, yes, Virginia, you do have an afterlife. It'd be a real shame if something was to happen to it. But for just pennies a day, I can seize to it that this thing goes the right way for you. Does that sound good? It should, because right now, you got both of your ears. I don't know, maybe think about that, should you ever again have such a crisis of faith. Man, whoever came up with the idea of making money by selling an invisible product is probably very wealthy and absolutely dead. But if you think Dio is being a little hard on the leaders of faith organizations here, let me show you around the rest of Dehumanizer. It ought to be eye-opening for all of us. Because if after all is Ronnie James Dio throwing an elbow into the ribs of religion on his way to investigate the afterlife, the next song on Dehumanizer is more like taking a lead pipe to its kneecaps. And now, brothers and sisters, mothers and punches, it is time to turn our weary eyes to a uniquely American institution. No, 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 not the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, by the way. I am, of course, talking about the television. And not just any television, while they have that as far away as the dark continent of untamed Africa. 
I am, again, and of course, talking about good Christian television. Oh, I'm sweating up a storm for the Lord today, and will no doubt require my pasty, corpulent, and very sinful flesh to be towed down by a team of enthusiastic young boys. Too much? In early 20th century America, Christianity was largely considered a hobby for one of two kinds of people, old women or young children. Why? Because America. We're a country of pioneers and cowboys. We fought a war for this land against nature and the people who didn't live here first. Christianity was sissy stuff. Sisgianity. But then, in the late 40s, in walked a tall drink of water with great hair and a jaw you could set your watch to. He was a man. A manly man. Even more manly than Manford Man. And he was determined to put the D back in deity. He was the Reverend Billy Graham, who once called Jesus a star athlete. And often referred to his followers as Christian warriors. Now this was a religion made for men, and his religious rallies, or crusades as they were called, were the true beginning of what is popularly known as the American Evangelical Movement. Hold for applause. But every Lord Vader needs an Emperor Palpatine, and that's where another dude bro of the faith comes in. His name was Marion. Wait, Marion? Uh, let's just call him Pat. The name swings both ways, but you know who doesn't? Pat. Pat fucking Robertson. And his contribution to the movement came in 1966 by adding three little letters to the front of a well-known moniker transforming evangelism into televangelism. Robertson founded the Christian Broadcast Network, which made use of the TV machine to bring the word of God and his newly sizable junk directly into America's living room. Hey, hun, what you watchin'? Jesus's giant dick. Ooh, mind if I saddle up for a peek? Oh, look, puke. And after that, it all went great for about 20 years until the real creeps showed up. Guys like Jim Baker, the televangelist host of the PTL Club until 1987, after it turned out that he drugged and raped his church's secretary and then was sentenced to 45 years in prison for fraud. Male fraud, the kind that American men commit. And, of course, the star of the Jimmy Swaggart telecast, Jimmy Telecast Swaggart, who was caught up in a prostitution scandal in 1988 and 1991. I know that this isn't pertinent, but I have to share a quote from the sex worker that was discovered in Swaggart's car in 1991 when he was exposed by the cops who pulled him over. You know, sometimes you just want to get pulled off, and all you end up getting is pulled over. What a world. When asked about her association with the Pentecostal preacher, Rosemary Garcia demurred to reporters. He asked me for sex. I mean, that's why he stopped me. That's what I do. I'm a prostitute. <laughs> oh my god. I love her. And it is in this context that Dio wrote the lyrics for the third track and first single off of Dehumanizer an acid-tongued castigation of hypocritical fraudsters like the two gyms of religious television programming in the 70s and 80s, as well as a sympathetic portrait of the desperately lonely souls that would happily give their last dollar to those very same slingers of modern-day snake oil. The undeniably brilliant and utterly brutal 
TV crimes. my best to keep this brief because what I want to do is read these lyrics in their entirety and then present a full dissertation on them, but I only have so much time before the Argentine authorities stumble onto one of my old headshots compared to the forensic sketch they're holding of the vigilante known as La Jirafa Congalara and come knocking on doors in suburban Seattle. You know what I'm saying? I don't. So let's look at these lyrics. Dio starts in a place of sympathy for the victims in this story, those unfortunate souls seeking human connection with a low-res image of a sharp-dressed bullshit artist buying time in the corner of their living rooms, with the lines, One night in the life of the lonely, there's a miracle on the screen. What do they see? Somebody to love. But sympathy soon gives way to satire. Gotta send me a plastic Jesus. There's a check in the mail today. One of the things I find so unique about the way Dio is building this picture of humanity is that outside of the context of gross manipulation that televangelism is, these lyrics are really fucking funny. A plastic Jesus is just a quintessential image of his larger critique. Jesus is a figure of great reverence, a symbol of all things eternal and divine in humanity, and the one you just bought off of television is made out of the cheapest and most ubiquitous of all modern materials littering the dumpsters and landfills of late 20th century America. It's such a hilarious contrast of the sublime and the base. The immaterial made out of the absolute shittiest of material. But when you start in a place of sympathy, the idea of a plastic Jesus, to me, is even funnier. Because you kind of feel like you shouldn't be laughing. It'd be really sad if it wasn't so bloody hilarious. And he continues in this vein. We just won't eat on Sunday. Gotta buy him a limousine. 
Again, hilarious in that it is so ridiculous, and yet you know as the listener that that is actually happening to millions of the saddest motherfuckers that the world has ever produced. It's painfully, gut-wrenchingly funny, and as the song continues, Dio just keeps twisting that knife. Every penny from the people keeps the wolf outside your door. Shop around and find forgiveness for yourself. Then he comes back to that contrast of the material and immaterial with a supermarket of salvation. But I gotta say, I think that the line about the wolf is my favorite. As any cult leader worth their weight in colloidal silver will tell you, the first thing that you have to establish to gain full control over your flock is an imaginary, external, and existential threat. The secularists. The FBI. People who read. Real sinister shit. Then, no matter how bad things get inside the walls of your compound, the people who are paying you to torture them will never leave because you've convinced them that compared to the horrors that they are currently experiencing at your hand, the horrors waiting just outside that door are far worse. I listened to a podcast about the FLDS, which is the sort of extremist fundamentalist wing of the Mormon faith, and a young woman who was more accurately a child and not a woman was being regularly assaulted by their prophet, Warren Jeffs, who is now, thankfully, dying in prison. And after she had grown into an actual woman, she recounted the gratitude that she felt toward her captor in that moment, because as torturous as her experience was within the cult, it was only further confirmation that the people outside of it were infinitely more so. Warren Jeffs' abuse was her salvation, the thing that kept the wolf outside the door. But when Ronnie James Dio decides to give the symbolic evangelist of TV crimes a name, things start to get really interesting. The song attributes the name Jack to its antagonist in the repeated lines, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, pick your pocket, turn a trick, which applies both to Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart and their respective sins. But two albums previous to Dehumanizer, Tony Iommi recruited another man with a J name as a possible vocalist for seventh star, Jeff Fenthold. Fenthold was a Broadway star who was known for his work as the title role in Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ, that's the title role in that play. Obviously things didn't work out with Jeff for a few reasons, one of which, Iomi explained, was his concern that Jeff wouldn't be able to sing the older, darker Sabbath material, i.e. all the songs that Geezer wrote about the devil. You see, Jeff was a true believer, even though he was an actor and working on an album with the band called Fucking Black Sabbath. And after Jeff Glicksman, different Jeff, came in to produce the album and showed the first Jeff, Jeff Fenhold Superstar, right where the fucking door was, the man who would be Jesus suddenly turned Judas on Tony Iommi as a way of turning back to Jesus. While well, making a little cash on the side. But I'll let Iommi explain that part of the story. In his autobiography, Iron Man, Iommi recounted, Jeff seemed a nice enough guy. It might have worked out with him, even though I wasn't 100% convinced that he'd be able to do all of the stuff. But this particular collaboration between heaven and hell didn't work out, and that's when things got weird. Tony. What? Oh, sorry. A little later, Jeff Fenholt suddenly became this big TV evangelist. I couldn't believe it, because when we met him, he was saying things like, Oh yeah, I fucked that chick. The New York Times did a thing about him being with Black Sabbath, and they wrote that he saw the light, rejected evil, and all this bollocks. We were right back in the Satanism thing, because Fennel was going on about it. 
So the suggestion has been made that the Jack of TV crimes was not just a lyrical stand-in for the dueling Jims of televangelism, but could also have been Dio taking revenge shots at Jeff Fenholt on behalf of Tony Iommi. For my money, the nastiest dig of all was the fact that Jeff Fenholt wasn't even good enough to sing on Sabbath's shittiest album. Just goes to show you, never trust an actor. Liars and thieves. Every one of them. So just to wrap up TV crimes, as the song's conclusion nears, the sympathy that quickly turned to satire eventually turns just plain old sour, as Dio ditches any interest he had in making clever contrasts and pulls the curtain back to reveal what he clearly believes is the true purpose of televangelism, cruelty. Listen to the words of the final chorus. Holy Father, Holy Ghost, who's the one who hurts you most? Rock the cradle when you cry. Scream another lullaby. Dio just drops the artifice and lets the entire picture look as ugly as he really thinks it is. I can't read those lyrics and not think of that poor child trapped in Warren Jeff's FLDS cult. Those final words are not about the juxtaposition of the material and the immaterial, or lines that would be funny if they weren't so sad, which somehow makes them funnier. Now it's just sad because it exposes what televangelism really is beneath all the laughably transparent hypocrisy and the cognitive dissonance. It's simple and abject cruelty. It's humans torturing other humans because they can. Because the former has power over the latter, and they can exert that power in ways only limited by their imaginations and make themselves filthy fucking rich at the same time. There's a reason the album is called Dehumanizer. I think because of the painful cartoon realism of the cover art, on which a robot Grim Reaper turns a stereotypical Black Sabbath fan in a generic white t-shirt and beltless lead jeans into a robot himself with hand lightning. Sorry, I hate that cover. Because of that image, we think of Dehumanizer as a reference to Computer God, but the entire album is a treatise on man's inhumanity to itself. And TV Crimes is, I think, a central pillar in that statement. Woof. I wanted to go into the break on a happy note, and I gotta say, I fucking nailed it. When we come back, I have one more track that I want to deep dive, and then we gotta close this taco stand down. And if you think TV Crimes ends on something of an ugly note, the last song that I want to do a deep dive into starts there. And from there, it digs humorlessly and relentlessly down. As Robert Plant once said, I wonder if you know what I'm talking about. Shall we fuck around, mother punchers? Shall we find out? I thought you might say that. When we come back. 